Okay, so we're on the bottom of 66B. Um, we're trying to figure out what to do about this case where the orphans used the expensive silk garment that belonged to the woman, uh, to the wife, uh, and that was her family heirloom that was passed on for generations. Let's make it more dramatic. Uh, but it was a very, it was, she, she wanted it for her because she liked it, it was fancy. And uh, they thought it would be nice to bury their dad with it. Um, and uh, they really didn't ask permission when they did it. So the question is, how does this work? And uh, because we've, um, good morning, gentlemen. We're going back to the previous case that we're in the middle of um, with the question of what belongs to the wife and what belongs to the husband. And in our case, very unusual, where she's not supposed to be married to a Kohen, and she became a Chalala. Uh, she became profaned because she's a divorcee, and she married a, a Kohen, or she's a widow, and she married a Kohen Gadol. And so she loosed, lost her truma rights. And the question is, what is her property? And so uh, if it's her property, uh, she doesn't eat, so that her property won't eat. But if it's his property, he's a Kohen, and so it would eat. And technically, even though she's not supposed to be married, she did marry him. So it's all one household. So that's really been our, our question. And we've said that some servants belong to her and some belong to him. And we said those things that she brought from her father's house, we said that the halacha was uh, like, um, uh, like Rev uh, Yehuda, that uh, she's right, that it belongs to her father's house. It's called... Uh, those are family heirlooms that belongs to her. And so we're trying to determine, is that really true? Those things that she brings in from her father's house to the marriage, do they really belong to her? And in this case over here, even if it belonged to her, uh, the orphans went and they uh, took it for the deceased. So wouldn't that seem to prove that it doesn't belong to her if they could take it away? And so that's really the question. And the answer is going to be that um, even though she has the legal right to get it, that it still isn't collected. She hasn't collected her legal right yet. She hasn't gone to court. And um, uh, in this case, it got co-opted because it got tossed onto the deceased body. And so even though it might be hers, uh, that would have been... Uh, if it was left over when it was time to divide the estate, but maybe it was co-opted over here. Um, what, how exactly was it co-opted? Why can't you just take it off the dead body? Um, and so what we're going to see is, it, it's, in some ways, it's like hectish. Hectish means you dedicate something for a certain purpose. So once it's given to hectish, it's not so easy to get unhectished. Here also, it was like dedicated to the dead body. That's actually what we're right in the middle of, but let's begin that case again. Hahi Isisa, that woman, okay, the Ayole Legavra, she brought her man. We're about, eight, uh, about nine lines up on 66B. So she brought her man an Itztala, a fancy garment, the Milsa of silk, Bixuvaso, and she brought it as part of her Xuva. It was written in there that she was entitled to it. Shuk, if he died, Shokul Yasme, the orphans came, Upursua, Amisna, and they covered the dead body with this fancy garment. Amarava, Kanina Misna. Rava said, the dead body acquires it. It becomes, uh, you're not allowed to benefit anything that belongs to the deceased. 
Nani, great. I always love when we get a new name that we never had before. Nana, Rabbi Nana. This is not even a rabbi. Well, he is. Amrle Nana Bray Derev Yosef. Nanoi? Is that how you pronounce Nanani? Anybody know where that name comes from? What? Nanai. Nanai, okay. Is it short for anything? Nanai, okay. But, anyways, Nanai, Braider of Yosef, Braider of Lurev Khan of Omar Ravi, Tarum of Nahalaka, Reb Yehuda. We hold like Reb Yehuda that a woman has first dibs on her family stuff. So, why can't she take this back? This belongs to her side of the family. Omar Lay, he said, the morning, we're three lines from the bottom. Milo, Moto, Reb Yehuda, even though Reb Yehuda says she has rights, the Mechusser Guvaina. It's missing collections. Vakivan de Mechusa Guvaina. And as long as it hasn't yet been collected, in other words, she donated it to the family, so to speak. She took this from her home and brought it into her married life. <laughs> and it's true that once her husband dies, she has the right to pull it out of that marriage corporation. In other words, it was part of the family, and she has the right to pull it out, but it hasn't been collected yet. And since it hasn't been collected, it's as if it, it, uh, it might be too late. Why? Can you, uh, mm-hmm. Just very quick. I, it, it's plausible that she didn't have a chance to do so. The guy, he passed away, and they immediately put the cloth right over the body. I mean, it, 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 people are crying, grieving, or whatever. It takes time to be able to get the garment and say, okay, I'm taking my stuff. So to make the argument, oh, she didn't have a chance, she didn't do it yet, and then the orphans took it, it, it may not have, been, not have an opportunity to do so. It seems like that she could take it. The question is, can she grab it now? In other words, they're getting ready to, to, to lower him in the ground, and she's standing next to the rabbi there for the funeral, and she says, can I pull it off? That's mine. That's mine, right. That's right. She says, uh, uh, she says can she take it? But you're correct that it probably happened without it. You know, there, there was nobody at fault here, but the question is, it's in her ksuva. Can she, she doesn't have to do it in front of anybody. Can she pull it off? the deceased, because it was put there improperly. And it, and it belongs to her. But the question is, belonging to her and actually collecting it are two different things. Because had, dis- had it been used by the estate, had it been a servant, let's say, that died, so the estate would have just owed her the money. So the question here is, was this a point of no return? So the more is saying, actually, in a certain way, since it wasn't collected yet, this is a point of no return. Uh, now, why is that? There are certain things that take property away. Number one is hegdish. Hegdish is when you donate it to the temple or you donate it to something. It's dedicated to something else. And uh, this also, it, in a certain way, when you give something to a dead body, it's similar to hegdish. It's been set aside for that. Wait, are we saying she won't even get reimbursed for it? No, she will. Oh, oh. But she wants it. She, she, it's hard to get that. It's, it's, uh, so Another case would be chametz. If you had chametz that belonged to you and Pesach came, or Vishikra, or if uh, a person has a, uh, a servant that was freed. So Rashi brings the case. Let's look at that Rashi. Top Rashi on today's page. Shikra, Yisrael, Shishibet, Abdul Abalchov. Um, you borrow money, and as a uh, payment... You promise them uh, that they can repo your servant if you don't pay. And your servant is the collateral for the debt. Now, sometimes happened that, uh, believe it or not, that people get angry with each other. And uh, sometimes you don't want to have 
that other person paid back. You feel that they didn't, uh, whatever the reason is. So can you sabotage their repo of your servant? So there is a way to sabotage it. Especially maybe you like your servant. You don't want him to... Uh, this sometimes happens to people going to get their car repoed. You know, can they do something to hold on to it, right? So you, he doesn't want to give his servant back. So what does he do? He gives the servant his freedom papers. And now the servant is free. They can't collect them anymore. So and the servant can do what he wants. Let's finish the Rashi. That's an abbreviation. A Yisrael makes his servant a... a, a, a what do you call it again? A... Um, Collateral for the debt, vishikru, and then the borrower frees the servant. Yotzah, he goes free. Vahamalva They'll have to try to collect from somewhere else. But even though this belonged to the lender, it can be unlendered. It can be un uncollateral. So going back to our case, even though the garment belonged to the wife, uh, once something happens to it, certain things happen that can take it away from whoever it's owed to. So as we're saying, Hegdish is one, and also giving it to a dead body is another. And Pesach, let's say uh, somebody owes, owns chametz, and Pesach comes, that takes it away. And here's the third case, if you free a slave. Um, okay. why, why wouldn't the orphans be in trouble for using that uh, shroud uh, if it wasn't theirs? Um, they are in trouble. I mean, they're going to have to pay her back. But the question is, can can she undo it? And can she? That usually when you when you dress the shrouds, you can't say, well, oh, we need that for someone else. Or it's it's right. like uh, so. Can can it be undone? So they're not considered. It's not a um, a lot an avera because really and truly they'll pay back. They'll get reimbursed. They'll get reimbursed. So it's not. It's not a. Um, Okay. But right, but her lawyer said, this, <laughs> "Yeah." Uh, stone bars them. Um, uh, no, no, it's Nixay Belug. It's Nixay Belug, I believe. Uh, yeah. So then, what would be the problem with? Uh, okay, it's true. She had, you know, sentimental connection. She wanted, but if it's Nixay Belug, so then there isn't. A, so it's speak, still the question is it's on the object. I know, but it's still here. That it, it's still here. It, she could still collect it. So that's really part of her question. She takes her nixte Malug when she, um, you know, when she if, she, if her husband died, she'd normally take her nixte Malug. So why, according to this view, that she's entitled to take her things, right? Uh, uh, her, so why can't she take this? And the answer, it, 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 it's legally, we've said, according to, there's another view that no, it belongs to the estate and she doesn't, it belongs to him. So we understand why she can't take it. But according to the view that it belongs to her, uh, according to Ravami, why can't she take it? And the answer is that it's true, it does belong to her and she does have the legal right, but that it's, she still needs the collections. And over here, where it was put in a different situation, she loses her collection right. That's the answer. Like there are certain things. So going back to the servant, if that servant was the collateral for a loan, that servant really belongs to the the debtor. It really belongs to the bank. But there's something you can do to make it that it won't uh, that uh, something happened to it. The servant was freed, and so the collections will have to go somewhere else. 
There's the you know, that, that that's the new concept over here. Okay. Not well, so nice. Last time. Right. That's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Can, can you give a little more uh, information on the case with the chametz? I see that there's a Rashi over here. Could you just tell us a little bit more about it? I'm trying um, to understand. Okay. Let's do that. Rashi chametz about six lines up on yesterday's page. Oh, and kachavim shehilvish Yisrael alchimso. A Jew uh, once takes a loan from a non-Jew, and he puts up chametz. He has uh, he has a storehouse of grain that he puts up as collateral. And um, since the, um, and uh, normally the non-Jew would collect the grain if the Jew didn't pay back. So Akhara Pesach, now after Pesach, uh, the non-Jew wants to collect the grain and the Jew wants to use that grain to pay him back, he can't do it. Even though technically there was a lien on that grain, why? The Isr Hanad Asi, it came along, Isr Chametz Umafgiyah Lishibud. That, uh, the Isr Chametz takes off the load, the Obul Chachabim of the non-Jew. Um, the, uh, the, the Rashi has a question, it says over there, Perikol Shah, Mutter Bahana, he is allowed, so Mugi Hassan Kishunu so that's if you left the collateral with the non-Jew. There's always a question, when something is collateral, who owns it? In other words, the Yisra- if it's on the Israel's property, and if the Israel doesn't pay money back, then it goes to the non-Jew. Technically, it still belongs to the Jew. It's just if he doesn't pay, the non-Jew can seize the grain. So since it belongs to the Jew, and then it became Pesach, it no longer belongs to anyone. So, uh, so that case over there was because there it's actually collected. Basically, we're saying that everything has to do with collections. Now, you can owe money, but if it, it's not collected yet, something can happen to it, and it can change the terms of the collection. Over here, he owes the chametz to he owes money to the non-Jew, and if he doesn't pay the money, the non-Jew will collect the chametz. But meanwhile, the chametz is in the property of the Jew, and if the non-Jew were to show up before Pesach, the Israel could pay off the debt, and the non-Jew wouldn't be able to collect the chametz. But if the chametz was in the house of the non-Jew, that would be different. Okay, that's that. Thank you. That's that case. Uh, there's a certain similarity in all three, but basically these. The, all these cases, the money belonged to the debtor. It really, the servant belonged to the debtor. The, uh, the chametz belonged to the debtor. The hektish belonged to the debtor. But the one who owed the money did something to it, to, or he made it hektish. He It became Pesach, or he freed the servant, or that got used for a dead body that prevented collections. And so even circumvented, it circumvented the collections. So collections will have to find something else to take. That's basically what comes out. But it doesn't mean it's not theirs. It doesn't mean they don't have the legal right to it. It just means that if something happens, it can prevent collections. That's, that's the concept. Okay, moving on. Uh, Interesting case. The woman brings into the marriage two vessels, uh, and she writes into the ksuva, they're worth a thousand zoos. She brings it, that's part of her dowry. And the price of gold goes up. And then when her, by the time her husband dies, there were 2,000. So, uh, so, so, now she, so again, the Ksuva said she's entitled to $1,000 worth of gold vessels. Now, if for some reason these vessels broke, the money would have to come out of the estate, but they're still here. This is the Kiddush. Both of them are still here. She brings in two beautiful gold things to the family. And now, uh, and she writes, I'm entitled to take $1,000 out after the marriage dissolves. Either the husband dies or they get divorced. So, 
one of them she takes to pay back her ksuva. The other one, if she wants to, she can buy it. She wants to pay for it, she can have it. But she's not entitled to the value more because in Aksuva it was only written $1,000. So the Morris says, my Kamash Malan, what's, it, uh, what's the Kiddush over here? Uh, this, it's, it's, it's basic. The Aksuva said 1000 she gets 1000 So the Morris said, Shvach Bezavia Didei Havi. It's coming to tell you that if she wants, she can pay for it. What we said that already once. I would have thought she can get back her item when it's in the ksuva. But to pay extra money and be able to take it, maybe not. Over here, what's happening is she says, both of these things were originally mine. One I'm totally entitled to because my ksuva said I get $1,000. The other one, I'm really not entitled to collect. But since I brought it into the marriage, so if she wants to pay for it, she can pay for pay the value they and get it. They didn't itemize the kalim themselves. They just put, associated the dollar amount. Correct. That's, That's right. Uh, because it could work both ways, because the kalim could be worth much less. She right. just lucked out that it was worth more. Okay, fine. That's the halacha. New Mishnah. Bas Yisrael, is the Kohen. This should be a familiar theme. Uh, again, we're going to get into how inheritance works as far as truma goes. You have a Bas Yisrael, a uh, regular d- daughter of Israel, and she marries a Kohen. And so while she's married to the Kohen, she's entitled to eat truma. But now he died, and they didn't have kids. But uh, But she's pregnant. So the question is, can the household, uh, the servants that belong to her, uh, can they eat truma or not? So lo yochel avdeha betruma. They cannot eat truma because of the unborn child. So we're going to see in the Gemara what this uh, means. Uh, you might argue that if the child's not born, it's going to go to her. And if the child is born, he'll be a Kohen. So why can't, why can't they eat? So we'll wait for the Gemara for that. Um, yeah. The, the first line in Rashi says something different than you said. She, he, Rashi says, you said that she has no children from him. Rashi says that he does have children. She does have children. Oh. Um, let's take a look at that, Rashi. Ben-Nihu, thank you. Ben-Nihu Muberis, and he left a pregnant wife. And um, so uh, the case could be that there were no children, but Rashi says uh, over here, even if she had children from him, uh, which would mean she's still going to be able to eat truma, Biochelis truma. She's allowed to eat truma. So she doesn't stop eating truma in this case. She has kids. Still, the servants don't eat truma. Lo yochel avdeson barzel betruma lefi shehen shol yorshim. They belong to the heirs. V'yesh over v'hem chelech. And her unborn child has a portion in them. V'ein over koyach lachilim betruma. And uh, uh, the, the, the property of an unborn can't yet entitle somebody to eat truma. So um, let's, uh, Rashi explains. So again, the case is um, she, she died, her husband dies, and she's pregnant. And these are the servants that technically will belong to the husband. So, um, but the problem is the, the unborn child is going to be one of the inheritors of the husband, and he's still unborn. And there's limits to what you can do before you're born. 
let's get into the abortion debate. But, uh, no, so there, there is an unborn has certain certain rights, right? It's, it's not very timely, right? That's right. the but the unborn has certain rights. The question here is, does can a a servant eat truma because of what's in her stomach? That's going to be the question. So, uh, but we're saying no, that a, a servant can't eat truma. What's the reason? So, e mishum the kasavar uber zara zarhu. Uh, a baby inside a, uh, a stomach, uh, the baby inside the, um, uh, the mother is not yet a Kohen, because he's not born yet. <laughs> so can you be a Kohen before you're born? That's the, uh, that's the question. Do you have to be born to be a Kohen? Is an unborn a Kohen? Or is he really just the mother's stomach? He's a baby bump. Or is he a Kohen? So is it because he can't eat because he's a baby bump, he's not a Kohen yet, and therefore what the, the potential, the part, the estate that belongs to him can't eat? Or, once you're born, you could feed. You need to be born first. Those that are born in the house, they can eat. Not only can they eat, but they can entitle their servants to eat. But you've got to be born to do that. So the, we're going to see two views. That Rashi, I was, it's interesting that I wanted to avoid the, um, sometimes Rashi says, and Rashi over here spilled the beans, so I ended up spilling the beans. But uh, the question was, why, uh, why do we put the uh, truma on hold for the servants? And the answer is, because of the, the unborn doesn't, and these servants will belong to this child that's born. And uh, they, the baby doesn't have the power to enable them to eat truma, either because he's not a Kohen, he's just, uh, he's a baby bump, or the power to, be, to give truma, you have to be born first. It has to do with the wording of the Pasuk. Those are the two reasons given. Uh, so either way, we put the truma on hold. Once the baby's born, then the, the servants can eat truma again. Uh, but we'll see more about it. So um, let's start the mission again. Bas Yisrael Shinnisis the Kohen. A Bas Yisrael marries a Kohen and she and her servants are eating truma. Umais and Mr. Kohen passes away. Ben Nikum and she's pregnant. So the servants that are going to be the possession of the unborn, he'll be born soon. Lo Yochu Avdeha Betruma. Those servants should stop eating truma because of the portion that's go- of the servants that's going to belong to the uh, baby bump, Sha'ubra, the unborn child, posel. Uh, now, if the uber was not a, uh, can, in some cases, they, uh, the uber can prevent somebody from eating. Ve'enu Michael, divrei rebiosi. But there's no way that the uber can allow them to be eaten. Omerlo, me'acha she'edis lanu abbas Yisrael l'kohen. Why did you pick that case of abbas Yisrael to a kohen? Couldn't you have picked even Abbas Kohen Lekohen, Umeis Venuko Verslo Yochav Dabitrun, Nechokoshuber. If basically an, a, a pregnant, you know, a child that's not born yet isn't a Kohen, or can't allow, uh, you can't eat because of somebody who's not born, so uh, that should put a hold no matter what the case is. So that's, that's the question of the Umberlo. Let's see the Gemara, Iboilu. Now the Gemara wants to figure out what's the reason that the uh, pregnant woman's Servants can't eat truma. Is the reason mishum kasavar uber zara zarahu, a a baby inside a strange stomach, is considered not a kohenu? That's not a kohen. Uh, let's see Rashi bemei kohenus. Um, 
Rashi has a different word here, but make Kohenis. Bas Kohen Muveris Mi Kohen. Well, that actually, it's, it's coming up a little later, that part on the Gemara. So let's wait for that, Rashi. So again, Is the baby inside a strange stomach considered not a Kohen? Even though his dad was a Kohen. Uh, but he's at this, there is a concept that the baby is considered the mother at this point. And the mother is not a Kohen. So even though once he's born, he'll be a Kohen, he's not a Kohen yet. He's got to be born first. Oh, Dilma, Yelud, Michael. Or it's just a different halacha. You've got to be here in the world to uh, let your servants eat. What's the difference? I mean, either way, you can't eat. The difference is, if the baby's, if the mother's, the mother is a Kohenis. If you're saying that the baby is considered the mother until it's born, so what if the mother is the Laudi Truma? She's a Kohenis. Let's do that, Rashi. Now, everything's good here. The mother's a Kohen, the father's a Kohen. Yeah, if you want to say there's a non-Kohen here, there's no non-Kohen. But if it's not, if you've got to be born first, so then it's born first. So that's going to be the question. The, uh, if the unborn child is really the mother, is, is, uh, the mother's not a Kohen. So until, even though it's a, a child from the father who's a Kohen, he's got to be born first. Or does it have to do with, in general, you always have to be here in the world to have servants that can eat? So that's the question. He says the reason is that a baby and the mother of a non-Kohen is considered a non-Kohen. Rav Yosef Omar, the second reason. Yolod Michael, once you're born, then your servants can eat truma. She'enu Yolod, if you're not here in the world, you can't stick up for yourself, your servants don't eat. You can't, they can't eat because of you. So again, we have both reasons. Meisve, let's see who's right here. Let's look at the Omrah. Once you told us about Abbas Yisrael, Mary's a Kohen, Bas Kohen le Kohen, Mahu, what if she's a Kohen and he's a Kohen? So now we get the answer. He said, this case I heard and this case I didn't heard. Which is interesting. You, in other words, he's saying, you might be right. I just, I, I'm reporting what I heard. Right? So we want to take it a step further. It's kind of a funny answer. It leaves us hanging because we don't know if he would disagree with it or not. He's just saying, I didn't hear. There were certain sages who, they had a, a tradition. They would only say what they heard. They only passed on. They were a conduit. They wouldn't share. Even though they had their own opinion, they passed on what they heard. If they didn't hear, they didn't quote it. So, if you want to say that the baby in the, in the, in the stomach of a mother who's not a Kohen is considered not a Kohen, it's very interesting. It comes out that before he was born, he wasn't a Kohen because he was his mama. And then after he's born, he is a Kohen. Which is okay. I mean, in other words, uh, life starts at birth in that way. Or he exists, but he, ex- he exists as part of the mother. And, and that's really our belief, by the way. We believe that, that he is a baby, but he's, he's, a, he's life, but his life is part of the mother. In other words, you can't say he's not life. The, the unborn child is not life. He's life, but his life is, he's an he's a extension of the mother. He's a living extension of the mother, and therefore he can, he's not a Kohen at this point. Once he separates, once you cut the umbilical cord, he's no longer part of the mother. I mean, the umbilical cord means he's attached. He's, he's attached to the mother. The, the blood flow and, the, and the, the oxygen and the breathing comes from the mother. He's part of the mother. 
But once the you know you cut that cord, and he pops out, he's no he's no longer part of the mother. That he's his own entity. So, so what you say about the, the mother's a kohenis then? So then you go to the second reason that the, the the rule that your servants can eat are only after you're born. You'd have to say the second reason, right? If, if the question is, do we accept that second reason? Which of the two reasons is the real reason? Does it have so it to? It sounds like Kuliyama, Kuliyama holds that the servants can't eat. It's either case reason A or reason B. Correct. That's right. So, so I must be zarhu. If you say the reason is that a baby in the stomach of a mother who's not a Kohen is not considered a Kohen. This baby is a stranger because at the moment he's attached to the mother and he's, he's the mother. So, that's why he said he didn't quote that case where the mother was a Kohen. But if it has nothing to do with the baby being part of the mother, it has to do with being born, my shamati zulo shamati. Uh, what does it mean? This I heard, this I didn't heard. Ihihi, it's the same thing. What he heard was is that until it's born, it can't, uh, it, it doesn't have the right to, you got to be born first. So, Kasha, that's a good point. Uh, in other words, if, if the way he heard it was that until the baby's born, its possessions can't eat truma, this baby isn't born, but it would be true if the mother was a Kohanis or not. So, why didn't he say it that way? You're right. It's difficult that he, sh- he should have been willing to. Uh, to give an opinion. This is the words of Rav Yossi. If there are other kids that are born already, and those kids are Kohanim, so the, the, there are other kids that would allow, that, uh, that are inheriting the estate that would allow the servants to eat. And if there are no children that inherit the estate, but the, the, the Cohen's brothers, the father's brothers, will inherit the estate. So then they should eat because of the father's brothers. Einlo achlem. Well, if there are no brothers, then there's uncles, mishumishpachakula. But basically, don't, why don't we say that this child's going to be Cohen property? These servants are going to belong to Kohanim. They're, they're the immediate heirs, are Kohanim. Whether it's uh, the, the other children, whether it's the father's brothers, or whether it's. Uh, so uh, why doesn't he say it like that? So the answer is Zuvalos Riole, uh, that it's, uh, it, it, he doesn't agree to this other case. Hayomerleh Shmuel, the Rev Chana Baktoi, didn't Shmuel say to Rev Chana from Baghdad, Baghdatoi, Puk Aisi Leveyasara, go get me ten witnesses. When you want to have a teaching be spread around, you get a minion. To Emelach Ba'anpayu, I'll tell you the following halacha, Hamazakal Uberkona, that the unborn does have rights. You can bequeath things, you can give things to an unborn, and uh, he acquires them. You know, they have savings accounts for kids that are, they haven't yet started saving. The truth is, in some of the states, uh, that's what they're trying to do, is that they're passing, they're giving rights to the unborn. That, that's one of the, fighting the abortion. Uh, if the unborn has rights, so how can you kill it? Right, that's that's what they that they're going with that approach. In other words, the, the but that's uh, uh, that that's really this question. If you give something to the child that will be born, so if you say, well, as long as he's not born, it's, it's he didn't acquire it, or do you say he could acquire it? So that's the uh, that was. So he seems to say that this is the halacha, and we're just saying no. You got to be born. Elazu v'svirale. It, maybe he does. Uh, maybe he does agree with it. My kamashman, the pligarabbanala. There's two opinions here. 
Are there two opinions? Uh, we're looking for to see clearly the both sides uh, made clear. And they agreed. So there's consensus here that uh, you can give the unborn rights. Does it say they, uh, they changed their minds? Which means that they accepted that they were wrong. They admitted. It's an interesting nuance here. The question was, was there still another opinion about these giving rights to the unborn? And even though it sounds like they accepted it, it doesn't use the word that they accepted it totally. They said, you got a point. <laughs> that's a good point. But it doesn't mean the kiblo. Kiblo means, uh, so now that's our point. We accept that. It's interesting that, the, uh, that we're debating about the use of the words, uh, whether that's accepted or not. Okay, Tanarabandam. Let's say there were children left to a Kohen. And uh, the, the, in other words, a Yisrael married a Kohen, and the, they had children that were Kohanim, and now the husband died, and the, the, there were other brothers in the estate. So, so this says uh, both, uh, the, all servants, everybody can eat, because this is the the mother can still eat because she's the mother of Kohanim and the, the part of the estate that uh, is also Kohanim. Everything's good here. Hanichum um, but what happens if she's pregnant at that time? Both kinds of servants, we put the truma on hold. So what happens if she's both? There are sons and she's pregnant. So then it depends. Those servants that belong to her, well, she's able to eat. Her servants can eat. barzel, but the, the the servants that belong to the estate, and part of the estate is going to belong to the unborn. Lo yocho can't eat because an uber a child can make somebody invalid to eat. but can't give over eating rights yet. He's got to be born for his servants to eat ruma, and since. The Son Barzal servants are going to belong to this baby. When he's born, he's going to be born with slaves. Um, but he's got to be born first for those slaves to eat Shuma. If it's a daughter, they could eat. Uh, not a son. Let's, uh, we'll, the Gemara is going to explain that. It's, uh, now that sounds like something funny. Okay. Um, he says, uh, the, uh, if, it's, um, uh, if it's all boys, they can eat. Nikvos lo yocho, but not if girls. Shema yimser uber zacher. So the question really is going to be how the estate, um, it, who inherits the deceased dad? So if the only children are girls, so then the girls will inherit. But if uh, there's boys, the boys inherit first. There's a, in the laws of inheritance usually the the first um, the first um, lien on the estate is to the girls to pay for their marriages for them to get married and set. But once that's taken care of, the boys inherit the rest of the estate. It's two different. The the assumption is that for the girls they need to be given enough dowry to marry off, and then once they get that, the re- if there's anything left, then it goes to the... So sometimes the girls luck out. They're the only ones who inherit because the, the money goes first to see them married off. 
and then sometimes there's extra money and they lose out because the, the entire estate, the rest of the business goes to the boys, right? So the question here is, are there girls and boys? So it depends on the case. The Ainlev knows, but Makama Ben Klum, and if the uh, if there's a boy born, then the girls aren't going to hear it. So my year Shema Yimsa Uber Zacher. Why are you saying? Because maybe the baby will be a boy, and he's going to inherit everything, and so therefore we got to put it on hold. Typically in the Keva Nami Puzzle. Well, if there's a girl also, uh, then uh, she'll get a part of it, and she's not born. Either way, the if the mother's pregnant, it should put a hold on Truma eating. So the Gemara said, you're right. Either way, Chad Va'od Kamer. First of all, if it's a girl, but it's unborn, it's going to stop. Maybe to be a boy, and the uh, the girls won't end up inheriting. Um, so we said, if it's boys that are born, then they can eat truma. Well, what about the share of the unborn child? The suffer, as we turn the page. Why should we assume uh, that it's going to be a boy? So what's happening here is this. Uh, the, uh, the father died, and he was a Kohen. And he left over children and a wife. And the question is, who's going to be the owner of this servant? Can the servant eat truma? So the people that inherit the estate are going to eat truma. Now, the mother was pregnant. So the living children will inherit the estate. This shouldn't be a problem because then the baby could eat truma. Then the servants should be able to eat truma. But what if the baby's, if the baby's a boy, so then he's going to be an heir, and so then that would put his share of the estate on hold. But if the baby's a girl, then the, the girl won't inherit the servants anyways, and then the servants uh, should be able to eat truma. So the question is, in this case, where it's less than a 50% chance that it'll be a boy that'll have a share in the servants, do we allow the, the servants to eat truma or not? So this opinion says it's less than a 50% chance that it'll be a, uh, a boy. First of all, it's 50%, it could be a girl. And then second of all, who said it's going to be a live child? So if you add the two together, so since the majority would be that it's not going to take away, then we allow the servants to eat. Let's see. Rashi and Koshin Lamiat. First of all, Lushema Yehezachar. First of all, maybe it'll be a boy. And then he's going to own part of these servants. The Basar Roy Vazlina. We go by the majority. For Roy Violetus. And most people give birth to own the Kevus. Either it's 50% of girls, Oma Pilas. And some percentage don't deliver healthy babies. So the majority is, um, so again, the case is uh, we have servants that are going to be inherited, and if they're inherited by the baby bump, for now they can't eat truma. If they're inherited by the existing children, that she, the servants could eat truma. But since the baby bump might be a girl, and then the existing children will get the entire estate, then they could. And since the baby bump might not end up being a baby, so at the end of the day, if you follow the majority, the servants should be allowed to eat. That's one reason for this opinion uh, that the, ser- the baby, uh, the servants can eat. Eboy Seim, if you want, really, uh, we are worried about uh, that maybe uh, this will be a healthy baby boy and he'll have a share of the servants. But Avdina Le Takanta, what we do is we uh, come up with a fix 
to allow uh, the uh, uh, the servants to eat. I mean, these servants are going hungry. They rely on that truma. The truma is available to them. So what is the fix? Let's see, Rashi, Davin, Leitakanta. Vorin Uber Sharnachastim. What we do is we, t- we figure out ahead of time, this servant, if he's a, this baby, if he's a boy, so he'll get his share of the estate. Why does he have to get the servants that are questionable? Why don't we give him the servants that are not questionable? Why do we have to give him the servant that's the mother's heirloom? Why don't we give him the servant that's, the, uh, uh, that's, that's not, that's not going to be a question whether he can eat truma? Why don't we give him, uh, who said we have to give him a servant? Give him, a, give him an orchard. So we can pre, ahead of time, uninherit him from that portion. So these servants can, there, there's five brothers and the mother's pregnant. And we're worried that there'll be a sixth brother born that'll be entitled to something. So why put all the servants on hold for Truma? Just have a pre-inheritance uh, document that separates the servants from that that one born child. Like set aside. Set aside, right? Put an escrow, something, something like that. that. Yeah. So you could you could do it, but you're what you're. He's going to inherit. Just take those servants out of the inheritance, so they they'll for sure be going to the living brothers uh, that can eat truma. And how do you know you could do that? When there is inheritance, based on me, not be truffis. You appoint a court appointed. Barlam chelak yafa. You, 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 what you do is you, you try to do this smart. You don't try to create problems in inheritance. You're allowed to, to divvy it up in a way that makes sense. Now, what happens if they grow up and to them it doesn't make sense? So, yocholimkos. Uh, one view is that can be re, uh, we can re-look at it. and We can look at it again if their interests were done correctly. He said, He said, you can't go back and redo it. So what is the whole idea of going to court the first time? Uh, so uh, we have a, an interesting question here about an unborn uh, child, whether that's, if there's a case where there's other brothers, whether that's going to affect their truma eating for the servants. So is this really the argument of Tanoi? So the Morris said not necessarily. Maybe they agree with Rev Nachman who says that you're allowed to have a court appointee make decisions on behalf of these orphans. <coughs> Aye, what about over here? The question is, do we assume that maybe this child will be a girl or maybe this child won't be viable? Okay, so that, it could be this is a different argument is what we're trying to say. Um, again, this is an estate question where uh, they have a family of Kohanim, and uh, the mother was married to a Kohen and had other sons, and there's a pregnant child who's going to eventually carry some of the estate and might own some of these servants. Do we put the truma on hold because of the halacha that uh, you got to wait till a child's born to eat truma? Or do you say, first of all, it might be a girl and she won't inherit? And do you say, even if it's not a girl, who said it's going to be a healthy boy? Maybe he'll pass away. And so does the two of the things, because it's a, a minority that could be a problem, do we allow them to eat or do we make a takanta? So and the Gemara says, is this a debate? Are you allowed to make decisions for the orphans? No, maybe this is not that debate. Maybe we, everybody agrees you can make decisions for the orphans. Is it kind of like far-fetched to assume that the unborn is not likely to create a problem? 
I mean, it's not a high percent. It's, it's still, you would normally say it's 50-50. It could be a boy, it could be a girl. We're adding the amount, uh, I guess it depends on the mortality rate, right? We're adding the, you know, in some places, the mortality rate was terrible. You know, how many survived, uh, survived birth? Okay. At any rate, that's that. Now we get back to what we said before about a difference between a boy and a girl. What's going on over there? If it's a girl, the servants can eat. You're telling me if there's a son, uh, the unborn is going to prevent the servants from eating. Then the servants can't eat. Even if there's a sister, a daughter that's born, why do you, uh, you shouldn't let the servants eat me? Because if there's a girl, wouldn't you say, if it's a, the, the baby's a girl, so you'll have two girls, they'll inherit everything. And if the baby's a boy, then he'll inherit it. The case is, there was not a lot of property in the estate. And there's a boy and a girl, if the child that's in the in the womb is a son, he's not going to be any greater than the existing son as far as inheriting, um, as far as letting the servants eat truma. Um, and if it's a daughter, why should he eat? Um, the the daughter isn't going to inherit. And... Um, so why would that be a problem? The answer, but the country rabbanon commented Basically, until the baby's born, the rabbis uh, don't get involved. So buy with me. So so what's the case? Uh, so you want to learn that maybe there's not a lot of property to go around for inheritance. Um, the um, if there's not a lot of property, so then uh, the um, uh, the daughters basically are, are the ones who are going to get the estate. Uh, the question is, who's uh, is this? If this unborn is a girl and there's not a lot of property, then it'll go to the daughter. If the unborn is a boy, it's so. When there's lots of property, then it pays to be a boy. When there's very little property, it pays to be a girl, because uh, uh, that's the uh, um, Rashi quotes that halacha. Let's take a quick look at that. If um, the uh, I just thought a second, Habas Michael. Um, well, Menachasim Watim, that's the Rashi I want to do. The Rashi right in the middle of the page. Menachasim Watim. Datik and Rabbana Habanos Yizonu. When there's only a little bit of money in the estate, it goes to the daughters. It goes for their food. Vahabanim, Yisho What about the sons? Well, they can knock on doors. Back to the Gemara. Amos Seifa. Shema Yimsa Uber Zachar. Maybe there'll be a boy. Ben Klum. And then the girls won't get anything. Adarabah, the way we're saying, there's only a little bit of property, the benosin, it'll go to the girls. So the Gemara said, well, maybe they're two different cases. Safe us the nechassim rubim. The safe is talking about, there's a big estate. Benechassim watim, and when there's only a little estate, does that go to the daughters? What happens if they went ahead and they made a deal on the estate? Actually, if it was done, it's already, we don't undo it. So what does it mean if they had a daughter that it puts it on hold? So So Gemara says, You're right. Maybe it's all going in Reb Yossi. This question about does it go to the daughters, does it go to the sons? Let's just start the next Mishnah. Sorry, we're running out of time. Uber, yeah, we got to have Shabbos. It's coming. Uber, uh, 
let's say if there's an unborn baby, or there's a yavam, v'erisin, or if there's engagement, v'cherish, or there's um, uh, somebody who's a deaf mute, uben tishishon v'yomechad, or there's a boy, uh, we'll see what that case is, who's nine years in a day, posen v'lomachilin, they could mess up somebody for eating truma, and again, we'll see all these cases, but they can't enable somebody to eat truma. Suffolk, shuhu ben teshan so how do you, if you don't know if the boy is nine years in a day, again, in those days, they didn't keep good birthing records, or Suffolk, hevi besaris, or you don't know if he matured, Suffolk, shilo hevi, if he didn't mature, or nafol abayis ba'al basach, even you do ezemes rishon, so in all these cases, now we get back to Yibam, then the co-wife will get Chalitza and not Yibam. And Mitzvah uh, Shaman Shabbos will go over all these cases.